All right, Galatians chapter 2, starting at verse 6. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it makes no matter to me, God accepts no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in, in conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed to me, as the gospel of the circumcision was to, to, unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they would go to the circumcision. Only they would that we would remember the poor, and the same which I was forward to do. We want to look at this. Uh, we've been looking at Paul's testimony, and here he's talking about, he says he, he went to those that seemed to be something. something. <laughs> In other words, he's meaning the apostles, the ones that had walked with Jesus. That, and want well, to look at this because there's there's a tendency for leaders sometimes to think that they're important and apparently the disciples were having some part where people at least people were lifting them up as being more important and this is the section that I want to talk about there's two sides of being a leader I know some leaders who think they're important you know they, they want everybody to kind of bow down to them and give them everything and you know I'm I'm the superstar because I'm you know, I'm the preacher and I'm the teacher and God's done all these great things, you know, and that's not a good leader to be under. The bigger problem usually though is that people put their leaders up on a pedestal. Uh, and even some pastors will get to this, where they look and say, well, I don't have anything. You know, this other pastor, he has, he has you know, a church of 5,000 and he's on the radio and the TV and God, why aren't you using me? Well, God's using you the way he wants to use you. I, I love being in this church and, and being able to see the lives changing in this church as the Word of God is preached. Would, it, would I like to run a church of 10,000? I don't know that I would. <laughs> There'd be a lot of headaches running a church that big. So, but, you know, the idea is we've got to be careful. Paul's saying, you know, they're, you know, whether they thought they were important, people thought they were important. And even today, don't we have a kind of, well, they were the apostles. They, were, they walked with God, and we kind of think more highly of them. I think that's why God put so much of their problems in the, in the Bible, so that we knew that they weren't you know, real special. They weren't these superstar Christians. And that's why God has put all the problems of the, the leaders. You, saw, you see David and all the problems that he had. You see Elijah. I mean, Elijah, you know, a mighty man of God. He goes up against the, apostles, uh, the, the, the prophets of Baal, Baal, defeats them, has them killed, and then runs away from Jezebel. <laughs> because he's afraid she's going to kill him. Yeah. He, he's just had 200 people killed, and he runs away from one person. And goes and hides and goes into a pity party. God, woe is me. I'm the only one left. Nobody else is serving you. And God's saying, no, there's 200 people that haven't served me. Get back up to where I told you to go. And, and God will do this a lot with us. Uh, D.L. Moody, if you know the name D.L. Moody, he was a great, great evangelist of the, of the 18, late 1800s. He used to go, you know, go to an evangelistic ex, uh, enterprise, and hundreds would get saved, and then he would go into depression that more didn't get saved. And he'd be in depression for weeks <laughs> until the next time that he'd be, be called. We have to be careful of the standards we do. God uses us the way he wants to use us. 
And that's what I want to encourage everybody. God wants you doing something. And I don't know what it is that God wants you to do. It's between you and God, but he wants you doing something because that is his goal. He's raised me up to be a teacher and a preacher, and I've, been a, I've taught all my life. I haven't been a pastor until recently, but I have taught all my life. I have helped pastors run their churches all, all my life. I've been doing the same thing I'm doing now all my life, except I wasn't being paid for it. And I was working on the side. I love being able to do mostly all the study that I do. I love doing all the study. I love doing all the teaching that I do, and I love being able to minister to people. It's a blast. And I love watching people grow. There's people in here that I am so proud of where they're coming with God because they're excited for God. They're falling in love with his word. They're, they're growing more and more for God and becoming more men and women of, of God. And that's the ultimate goal. That's my goal, for see everybody become a man and woman of God and seek after God. Because that's all I care about. I want to see people grow. Paul is saying, you know, hey, I went to see these guys. They were supposed to be these great leaders. And we talked a couple weeks ago, Paul's teaching had been from Gamaliel. Gamaliel is still considered one of the top Jewish teachers ever. And he was Paul's teacher. Paul had the best of the best teaching him. So I mean, he probably didn't even care. We talked last week how he submitted to these people to go to see them. Because he'd been taught by the best. He could have had an attitude of, well, I don't need to see these guys, you know, what can, what can they do? They, all they did was walk with Jesus. I, I got taught by the, by the master of the scriptures. And yet he went to see them. Why? And we talked about this. He wanted to make sure that his message wasn't wrong. And we all need people to help us. We all need people that we share what we learn from the scriptures. I have heard people that share things with the scriptures, and I'm going, well, that's not really what it says. Or I come the other way, man, that's an you know, impressive understanding that you just got. But we all need that person that can say, uh, yeah, that was great, or, well, how did you come up with that? Because we all can get off, off, off track. And pastors can do that a lot of times, because pastors a lot of times forget to have people that they, they talk to other than their church. You know, they, they don't look to bounce things off. I've got a number of people that I talk to when I come up with something that's new and unusual. I'll talk to them and say, what do you think about this? These are the scriptures I'm using, using is what do you think about that? Before I'll share it with anybody else because I don't want to lead people astray. I want to be like Paul. I want to make sure that others check it out and say, yes, this is, this is okay. Paul was being called to the Gentiles. We talked about that. In one place he calls them heathens. Anybody that wasn't a Jew was a heathen, uh, was following the wrong, wrong religion in, in his mind. And we still have that term. Anybody who's not following Christianity is, is considered a heathen, but we don't use that term very often anymore. Um, he was called to go to the Gentiles, and the Jews are thinking, you don't go to the Gentiles. Remember, we've talked about this. They, they go, you don't talk to Gentiles. You don't eat with Gentiles. You don't, you know, you don't fellowship with the Gentiles. You don't, bring them, you know, don't bring them the word of God because they are those outsiders. They're, there's nothing to do with them. I'm glad that Paul went to the Gentiles. <laughs> Because I'm a Gentile, I'm not a Jew. And most people in this room, I don't think anybody in this room is a, is a Jew by, 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 by birth. Paul went to it, he started the message going out to the Gentiles that we are sinners, that we need to be saved. We need Jesus, we need God to do the work. Right from the very beginning, the very first activity, Adam and Eve sinned, 
And what did God do? He provided skins for them. How did he get skins? He would have killed the, uh, the lamb to get the skins, showing them that blood had to be shed to, to cover the sin. And that is why everybody out there, every, every uh, nationality civilization knows that God has to forgive sin. It's not man that can forgive sin. And you see it in the, in the worship. Now they, do, they don't worship God, they don't follow his rules, but he gives them the fact that it has to be blood sacrificed. Ultimately, the lamb was not, the, the lamb was not what forgave them. The lamb was the picture of Jesus' future sacrifice for them. For us, he's already dead. We don't have to ask for lambs because the, the sacrifice has already been made. And I praise God we don't have to kill animals because I don't have any animals to kill. I don't have a whole flock of sheep or goats or, or cows to make a sacrifice. So I'm very happy we don't have to do that. So we want to look at this. Paul went up there, and, and people want to lift leaders up. And that's a very dangerous thing, because when the leader falls, then people are shaken up. There's been big leaders. I, I think mo one of the ones most recently was Jerry Falwell, who fell from grace. And lots of people fell from the church because they'd lifted him up. You know, he, he's our superstar. We, you know, we're watching him. And he fell. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that was good or bad. I mean, at some point, you do look at somebody and say, yes, there's somebody that's living for God. But don't put them above Jesus. Because if you do, they're going to fall. They're going to fall. We want to be careful that we don't look at somebody that strongly. We look at Jesus. Paul in one place says, follow me as I follow Christ. And I would say, yes, you look at somebody and you follow them as they follow Christ because they're a great example of the life can be lived. And it's important to be able to look and say, this is a person who's living a Christian life. I want to be like them, but just don't lift them up so much that if they fail, and they will, that you're shook up. Because every one of us falls. The greatest person in, that you can think of in, for Christianity is going to fall, and probably falls every week. You may not hear about it. You know, some of these people you hear on the radio. I listen to lots of speakers on the radio. I don't know how hard their lives are on a day-to-day -day basis and how much they fall and how all I listen to is what they, what they teach. And I am appreciative of what they teach. It is good, it is great to listen to what they preach and they, what they teach, but I don't want to lift them up. I don't want to lift them up on a pedestal because they eventually might fall. I don't want to be lifted up on a pedestal because I, I know I'll fall. I know that I will fall. I, I struggled with anger this last week. I was very angry at somebody. Well, angry enough that if I had had him in my presence, I probably would have done some damage because I was that angry with him. And God said, no, you can't do this. But we know what goes on. We have to be careful of, we are flesh and blood. We have human desires. No matter how close we walk with God, we're going to have problems. And we don't want to lift up somebody. We don't want to follow them into sin because they sin. We go, okay, I give up. They can't do it. I can't do it. No, we keep going forward and we do the best we can and, and then hope and pray for them that they'll repent and they'll rebound and they'll get back on, on track themselves. And Paul's, Paul goes on to say that uh, on the contrary, verse 17, on the contrary, when they saw the gospel of the, of the circumcision was given to me, as the gospel of the circumcision was to Paul, uh, Peter, they gave the right hand of fellowship. Because 
Paul was kind of concerned, you know, because he's violating everything that he learned as a Jew. Go to the Gentiles. And we've talked about this. He would go in, the way he did it, and you read the book of Acts, he would go into a town, he'd go to the synagogue, he'd preach to the, the Jews. The Jews would reject the message, and he'd go to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles would listen to the, uh, listen to the gospel and, and get saved, and they'd start a church. And this is what's going, and going to be a problem for them. Because, if you remember, we've talked about this. In the very beginning, Christianity was considered a branch of Judaism. It was considered a sect of Judaism. It was called the Way. And for 400 years, Christians were considered Jews, part of the Jewish, Jewish family. Now, this made it very hard for the real Jews who were born Jews because all of a sudden there's all these Gentiles that are being considered Jews. And they were struggling, the Jewish groups and, the, and even the disciples were struggling with what do we do with all these crazy Gentiles that are coming, becoming technically Jews <laughs> as far as the world's concerned. And that gave them a lot of problems. You know, did, they make, did they go and say, okay, Gentiles, you now have to obey all 613 laws even though you're saved by grace? And they're going to decide, no, that's not right. You're saved by grace. You don't have to keep the law. All they asked is that they would stay away from blood, as we talked a couple weeks ago. That they would remember the poor. And at this period of time in Jerusalem, if you, the people that became followers of the way were, were being rejected by their fellow Jewish citizens. Most of them could not keep their business. If they had a business, nobody came to them. Because they had left Mainstream Judaism, they had become the followers of Jesus, that, that crazy, crazy carpenter who said he was the son of God. And they were rejecting them. They were becoming poor. One of the reasons that they came together and had all things together was because nobody had anything. So what they had, they shared. And they're saying, just remember the poor. And Paul, when he goes on his second journey, and right now he's in the history of his first journey, on his second journey, he took up an offering amongst all the Gentile churches. He would take an offering, and what was he going to do with the offering? He was going to take it back to the Jerusalem church and give it to the church. So he was letting all the churches that he started help the church in Jerusalem. So he remembered the poor. That's what he wanted to do anyway. He, didn't, he wasn't trying to get rid of them. He wasn't trying to make them... You know, feel like you know, you're second class because of where you're at. He wanted to lift them up, build them up. And we still see that today when churches will help other churches. A lot of times American churches send money over to churches in, in foreign countries where practically no money exists. My dad one time went to a Russian church and he, and he put a $20 bill in the offering, you know, thinking nothing of it. And they wanted him to take change at the end of the service because he put too much money in. You know, because they considered that was just too much money for their, for their neighborhood. You know, $20 was a, was a month or two of, of income, and they're going, you know, you've got to take change. You, you, you gave too much. So that's what we're looking at. There are churches out there that have no money. There are people, missionaries out there, that are suffering for Christ because they're doing what God called them to do. And Paul was saying, hey, I have no problem with that. I want to give money. But we look at this, the disciples, I want to look at the disciples. They were very humble because they could have said to Paul, we don't know what you think you're doing. We walked with Jesus and, you know, and we look at some of the things Jesus said to, to some of the Gentiles. You know, the Syrophoenician woman that came up to him and said, you know, help me. And he goes, well, is it right to give the, the bread to the dogs? And she goes, even the dogs get the crumbs. <laughs> you know, 
because she had that much faith. And Jesus was giving to the Gentiles, even in his day. But the disciples didn't really understand that. Peter understood some of it. Remember in Acts when the sheep, he's on the, on the rooftop praying and a sheep comes down with all the unclean animals. Wonderful pigs and bears and all these things he's not supposed to eat. And, and the voice says, take and eat, kill and eat. Peter's answer, I've, I've never defiled my body. I would never eat that kind of food. God's answer, don't, don't say uh, what I say is clean is unclean. And then Cornelius, the, the Gentile, came to his door, or sent people to his door and said, come to my house and tell me about this Jesus. And he understood he was to go to this person. God's vision has always been to reach the world with his love. He's never, never wanted it. The Jews were never supposed to take what they were taught and hold it to themselves. And Paul got to where he understood that. He, he went out and he brought the gospel. Brought the gospel to the world. And eventually the rest of the disciples got spread out. The church left, left, left Jerusalem in 70 AD and they went all over the world. And it's amazing where, where all they went. They went to India, Ethiopia, England, uh, upper parts of Germany, it's now called Germany, you know, Spain. They went everywhere. They all met their death except for, except for John. They were all martyred. Thomas went to India. You know, all, these, all these guys went someplace and they paid with their life. We want to be able to say, I want to serve God. What is it that God's asking you to do? Look at what he's asking you to do and do it. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is for everybody, but God's asking us to do something because that is his purpose of his body is to do something. Whether it's teaching, just service. Uh, we did on last Tuesday, we talked about spiritual gifts and one of the gifts was service. Or ministry is what it says in the, in the Romans, but it means service. And you know, there are people who are gifted for service. And we have people in this church that are gifted for service. They, you know, you need something done, they jump right up and, and get it done. You know, they're not complaining, they're not, they're, you know, they just get up and do it. There's people that are just good at exhorting people. You know, and we know some of those people that when, you, when you're around them, you feel good because you feel that you, know, you have been built up and edified. There are people that are really prayer warriors, and I know lots of people say they're prayer warriors, but I know people who are prayer warriors. When they pray, prayers get answered. You know, when they pray, you know that, that it gets answered. There, there's all kinds of things to be done in, in God's kingdom. There's all kinds of things to be done. And we want to be able to stand up and say, this is what I want to, to do. This is what God's asking me to do. And we all need that. It's said in the average church that 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And it's not just churches, unfortunately. It's everywhere that 90, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Or 100% of the work, yes. I want to give credit to some, maybe once in a while the other 90 will step up and do something once in a while. And that's sad, especially, it's bad enough in, in the world situation. But in the church, where we're saved by grace and God has done everything for us to not stand up and do something for him is a very sad thing. We're not doing it to be pleasing God. We're not doing it to get saved. We're not doing it to say, God, love me because I'm doing service. But because he is living in us, we should have the desire to let him work through us 
and do something. I've heard people, well, I don't know what to do. Well, you know what? When I was 14 and trying to figure out what to do, I didn't know what to do either. I just started doing things. And eventually I found out what God wanted me to do. I can guarantee you, over, over the 43 years that I've been saved, I've done lots of things that wasn't for me. I get in there, start doing them, going, okay, this just isn't my calling. I, I don't like this. It's no fun. I don't, I don't like it. Then there's other things I go, man, this is a lot of fun. I don't even feel like I'm working. And you know when you find what it is that God's telling you to do. I, pre I teach and I preach a lot. I've got even pastors who go, you're, you're teaching how often each week? I go, I love doing it. This, I love teaching. That is, that is what I am called to do. I love to teach. I've always loved to teach. When I was a manager, I looked at it mostly a manager as a teacher, teaching people, so I enjoyed managing. I'm doing what I love, and it doesn't feel like work. Studying to, to teach does not feel like a drag to me because I, I enjoy it. When you're doing what God has called you to do, you're going to enjoy doing it. It's going to be fun. If you're doing something in the church and say, man, this is, just, this is just so hard to do. I can't drag myself to church for this. Well, that obviously isn't your call. Keep finding out what it is that God's called you to do. Because I want people that are saying, this is what God's called me to do. In College Park, we were looking for deacons. And my, my key comment to everybody is, we want people who are called to be deacons. We don't want just people who are, are there to fill a spot. Now, we needed 18 deacons, so we're going to fill 18 deacons. No, we wanted 18 called men of God to do the job. You know, when, it, when you have somebody in the kitchen, you don't, you don't want just any grumpy person in the kitchen doing the work in the kitchen. You want somebody who likes being in the kitchen doing the work in the kitchen. Because if you're being grumpy and irritated, it's not your call. You shouldn't be there because you're going to make everybody else miserable. You know, and this is just it. You, you'll either be miserable or you'll make everybody else miserable. Or worse yet, you're doing something somebody else was called to do. And I can tell you right now, that's probably the worst thing is to have somebody doing something they're not called to do. And the person who's called to do it looks over there and says, oh, they don't, I thought I was supposed to do that, but somebody's already doing it. Because the wrong person's in there, the right person doesn't step forward. And I am very much a person who says, I only want the right people in a, in a, in a job. Because if somebody is just filling it because it has to be done, it's not good. It is not good just to have somebody say, well, I'm going to do this because it needs to be done. Number one, they're going to be unhappy. Number two, the person who's supposed to do it is not going to step forward. And people who are being unhappy are going to be unhappy because somebody else is unhappy. <laughs> and so we want to be able to say, what has God called you to do? Find out what it is and, and live it. As you get in and you draw closer to God, he's going to tell you what it is you're going to do. He's going to show you what it is you're supposed to do. And the greatest thing is when, you're all, when everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, we'll have a growing church. I know one thing that all of us are supposed to do, we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. That is a commandment that God gave all of us. Some are going to be better at it than others. I, I've been out with people who are evangelists. I mean, it's funny to be with somebody who is a true evangelist telling people about Jesus. Now, I went to lunch with one one time, and I've told you guys this one time. I went to lunch with one guy. Before we even got seated, he had talked to the hostess and three, three customers standing in line and, and a couple of tables as he walked past them, all about Jesus. Then when he got sat down, he was talking to the, the bus guy that came next to the table. He talked to all the people around us. He wasn't being obnoxious. He wasn't being irritating to people, but he loved God enough that he shared with everybody. 
He must have presented the gospel at least 30 times before we left lunch. Now, I talk to people about Jesus, but not quite 30 times in the space of a, an hour. This guy, was, he was living his calling, telling people about Jesus. Now, I've met people who say they're evangelists and hardly ever talk about Jesus. And I look at them and say, you're not an evangelist, I'm sorry. You may have a good message, you may have a nice canned message about the gospel, but you're not an evangelist. What is your calling? Look, look at what God wants you to do. Seek what he wants you to do. And then walk in it. Walk in it. If we're not, do, if we're not doing a ministry that God's calling you and we're supposed to, let me know and we'll start a ministry just for you. I've had more people, when I, especially when I was in College Park, they'd come up to me and say, well, then we really should be doing this as a church. I'm going, okay, good. When would you like to get started? I'll help you get it started. I'll, I'll get you on the budget with the, with the church, and we'll help you get some people. No, no, I don't want to do it. Well, it's your idea. You're obviously called because it's important to you. I go, because I know the leadership here doesn't need any more jobs. We've got plenty. If you see something that really needs to be done, I'll help you get it started. I'll, I am a good organizer. I'm a good administrator. I can help you get any, pro, any, any ministry you want to get started, we can get started. In Baltimore, there was this guy who decided he wanted to do a Bible study at the airport. Now, what a crazy place to do a Bible study. I would never have wanted to do a Bible study at the airport because you have a new clientele every single week. But he came back and he was always talking about all these people that were getting saved in his Bible study at the airport. Yeah. So, but I bring him up because he's probably the most far-fetched person I ever heard on coming up with an idea. But you know what? If God has given you an idea, we want to be able to help you get it started because whatever will reach out to people, we want to see done. We want to see Christ lifted up. We want to see people come to Christ. Our job as a church is to lift Jesus up and see people come to Christ so that we can fill God's kingdom. Because we're coming to the end. We're coming to the end days, people. You can look at the news. If you watch the news and open up Revelation, Ezekiel, and Daniel, you see that we're at the end days. They're talking about redoing the financial system already. We're going to see everything coming true that the scriptures say. We need to get people saved. If there's any friend of yours, any relative of yours that doesn't know Jesus, make sure that you've given them the gospel. Make sure that you've given them the gospel because they were... Will be, nothing will be worse than have the end time come and they pass away having not heard the gospel. I've got family who's not saved, but I tell you one thing, they've all heard the gospel. Or at least they've been told the gospel. I don't know that they've heard the gospel. You know, because you know, actually having it here on your ears does not mean you necessarily heard the gospel. But I know that they've been told the gospel. And it's up to them and what they're going to do with it. I will be sad but for a couple of them if they pass away and not made a decision for Christ. But our job is to tell people. Our job isn't to make them twist their arm to get them to say, say a prayer. Our job isn't to twist their arm to make them go to heaven, try to make them go to heaven. Our job is just to give them the gospel. It's their responsibility on what they want to do from there. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for everything you've given us and what you want us to do. We ask that you help us as we go forward. Bring us into a place where we get to know you better. We get to follow you. Lord, help each person understand what their job is for you, what their calling is for you. Help them to seek and submit to you on that calling and to step forward and do it. And we just thank you and praise you in your son's precious name. Amen.